the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, hosted by Ed McKnight and brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Hey guys, Ed here. Just before we get into the show, I wanted to say that this was a really fun podcast to record with Arthur from the Auckland Young Professionals and Dan from the Hawke's Bay Young Professionals. You know, this podcast has really been born out of those young professional networks and it was really cool to just get them on board, uh, have a bit of a conversation about what's going on within each of our networks and just see, hey, what's the difference as well between, uh, say, Hawke's Bay and, and Auckland. Now onto the show. Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. My name is Ed McKnight and I am here today in the studio with Arthur, who is our Vice President of the Auckland Young Professionals. Hi everyone. And also down the line via Skype, we have Dan from the Hawke's Bay Young Professionals. How's it going guys? So I'd love to hear a little bit, uh, Dan, we, we said when we first launched the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast that we were very keen that it wasn't to Auckland-centric, that we wanted to involve yeah. people from uh, all right through New Zealand. So I'm For just sure. keen to hear uh, a little bit about the Hawke's Bay Young Professionals, some of the things you guys do, and um, what life is like in the Hawke's Bay for a young professional. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the Hawke's Bay Young Professionals is uh, is similar uh, demographic mix as the other young professional groups around New Zealand. Mm. Um, and you'd mentioned that quite a few tradies who own their own businesses uh, are coming along to the uh, Hawke's Bay Young Professionals. Uh, and I know that you yourself own own your the company that you work for. Yep. So, no, no. you know, are you seeing more young professionals in, in Hawke's Bay or the regions in general are going out on their own and starting their own businesses and potentially that's why they're staying in the regions? Yeah, for sure. I think there's a whole load of people that are starting their own businesses in Hawke's Bay. There's, um, I know some of the, um, the the economic development guys of the council um, are really trying to make Hawke's Bay a bit of a, a startup hub um, and, uh, and really create a kind of entrepreneurial vibe. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of people that are, that are doing their own little startups, but then there's also a lot of people that are moving down to Hawke's Bay from Auckland or up from Wellington and so on. And, and so the young professionals kind of plays a big part um, there to, to try and create the, the social lifestyle that they're used to in those other, other centers. Oh, I totally agree. I, as, as I mentioned, I, c I come from the small town and AYP was massive in terms of Auckland Young Professionals, in case we didn't say it before, you know, was massive in helping me create uh, social circles outside yeah. of, you know, all, all I knew what to, to talk about probably were, were gumboots and cows and the difference <laughs> between jerseys and Frisians and, th and things like that. And AYP really yeah. helped me out. And, and Arthur, I know you've got an interesting story about um, how you came to New Zealand um, and how you got involved. Yeah, um, so I was actually born and raised in Zimbabwe, and I moved to New Zealand when I was about 15 years old. Um, so I guess I can I can really only speak for myself and my family because our experience was quite unique. But when we moved to New Zealand, it was we really had a choice between two cities, and that was Auckland and Wellington. And you weren't tempted by the Hawke's Bay? Mm, not really. To be oh. honest, to be honest, I hadn't even heard about it until I'd been here for a, for a few months at least. How tough is that to hear, Dan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Cut me to the core. <laughs> <laughs> at least I know about it now. But um, And I guess the, the factors that were driving that move, because, I mean, moving from Africa and coming all the way to New Zealand, it was mainly an economic decision and, I suppose, 
a social decision as well. It was a social move. Um, so when we were looking at places to move to um, in New Zealand, we obviously looked at where we had the best chance of getting a job, where we felt like we'd be the most comfortable, taking into account um, just what was on offer, you know, shopping, social life, nightlife, um, and cultural experiences as well. And I will say that Auckland be is probably the most culturally diverse city in New Zealand. I'm, I don't think that's um, wrong of me to say. Um, so it is a much more, I suppose, welcoming environment for someone to move to move into when you're coming from so far away. Fascinating, fascinating. And we'll come back to this urban migration piece, but just quickly, um, I, I was saying just previously that I was scrolling through my Facebook feed this morning while I was still in bed, and let's be honest, we all do that, so I don't feel too judged about it. Um, and I came across an interesting story called On the Ladder at 19. Um, this this young bloke has just bought his first home, and I thought, man, this is fascinating. This 19-year-old guy is able to buy a home, and here I, here I, here I am, you know, um, at 24 struggling to do this myself or with no hope of doing it anytime shortly uh, i've got i've got to read this story and of course it was on stuff of course it was a little bit clickbaity um and i i just i was really keen to talk about it because we see so many stories about young people who uh purchase their first home uh and they're sort of lauded as these people who are, who are able to do it and so i thought okay i'll get i'll give him the time of day let's see if let's have a read about it um, and I don't want to knock him, but he's, he's from Palmerston North. He was paying $50 in board a week um, at his parents' place while he was saving up um, to, and then eventually bought a 260k uh, house uh, ex-state in Awapuni. And I just thought, you know, so many baby boomers and Gen Xs, I know, I was like, oh, this guy, this guy was able to do it. Why can't, why can't you, Ed? Uh, and it's, it's kind of, I just wanted to express, you know, that it's kind of frustrating uh, when these stories are held up. Um, you know, we're living in Auckland where house prices are, you know, four to five times what this guy's doing. You know, we don't, you know, my parents are in Harbour. I, I think $50 per week in board or rent is, is, oh, that would be my dream come true. Santa bring that me that for Christmas. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of keen to ask, am I just a whiny Aucklander, Dan? And do I need to do I need to get out over it and move to the regions? <laughs> no, not at all. I think I think really ultimately, when you choose to live somewhere, then you're you're choosing it for the points that are important to you, um, and uh, and so ultimately you could come and live in in Palmerston North or in Hawkes Bay, um, but if it just depends on what your priorities are. I think um, you know. As you say, living in Auckland and then trying to buy your first home at the age of 19, I think would probably be impossible unless you're incredibly privileged um, when you're in upbringing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it, it totally just comes down to, to where your priorities are. Um, Auckland is is still you know, a really great pace, place for uh for the lifestyle of, uh, of the faster paced, uh, at least from a New Zealand point of view, um, and and so if that's if that's where your priorities are, then then no worries. <laughs> and do most people um, within within uh, HBYP do yeah. most of them own their own house, or do do you own your own home? If I'm allowed to ask that. <laughs> 
Yep, yep, I do, I do. Um, and I would say probably a large percentage of the uh, the members within HBYP are homeowners as well. Um, but like you say, it's a lot more affordable down mm-hmm. here where you can you can get kind of a reasonable house for uh, in that 260 or, or that 300K mark. Um, and, uh, 300K houses? Wow. Man, that is, that is oh. the bargain of the century. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> How's about that? <laughs> I, I, I know. I'm currently uh, – my, my partners uh, or her parents are currently looking – to buy homes and uh, not that they're particularly fabulously wealthy or anything along those lines, but it's probably, you know, a factor of nine to 10 times that figure. You know, and it really does show just how ridiculous it's, it's become um, and and how scary it is. And, you know, I hear from a lot of people outside of um, Auckland, oh, but you guys get paid more or the salaries in Auckland tend to be better. Oh, Arthur's shaking his head at me at the moment. What do you have to say about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's that great a disparity between salaries that you get around the regions as well. I mean, I was I was actually looking at this fairly recently. As you mentioned before, well, before we started recording, I started a new job at the start of the year. And part of that process was checking out a whole bunch of salary um, reviews and that sort of thing just to, I suppose, price myself in the market. And just having a look through that, there really isn't that much difference. I mean, for some professions, um, I places like Wellington actually pay a little bit more than you'd get in Auckland. So, I mean, on average, perhaps some people, I'd say Auckland, you probably get more on the higher end, on the higher end. Um, of the extremes just because you've got so many big multinational corporations based here in Auckland, mm-hmm. so many head offices based here in Auckland. So at the upper end, yeah, sure, I can I can definitely see that. But I mean, for us, at an, I suppose most of us are at that 24 to 36 age group. So I mean, for most of us, we're just getting into the workforce at that entry level stage. I don't think Auckland Auckland um, young professionals are paid that much higher than anyone else around the country. Yeah, and certainly I remember we uh, hosted an event quite early last year or late late 2015, I think it was. And we had an economist, Shamabil, come in. Uh, he's, he's definitely doing the circuits these days. And he put up a graph of salaries um, from around the country. And and he had Auckland, Wellington, da-da-da-da-da. And I think Auckland was, was the top or maybe Wellington was the top. And then he said, right, and then if we take out the cost of housing... Yeah. Auckland rockets down to second to last. I think we were mm. just marginally ahead of Southland. Uh, and then he said, well, and then if you ca- take into account the cost of transport, Auckland by far yeah. is the lowest income area um, in, in terms of cash, perhaps not in terms of asset if they're putting it towards huge, you know, um, house assets or residential assets that are worth millions of dollars uh but certainly uh we're not paid as as well up here but that actually brings up an interesting point that we weren't going to talk about but now i i kind of want to steer it this way is is (laughs) how do you you know you get a new job i just got a new job about four or about four months ago as well how do you decide where to price yourself in the market and the reason i ask is because the young professionals listening uh most you know we we're pretty transient in our jobs we move around a lot Mm -hmm. and pay is important when you're young because you don't want to set it too low lest you um not be able to rank rank it up in the future yeah um i guess in my situation i kind of thought about the value that I was bringing to the specific organization that I moved into. So I knew 
what skills I was bringing from my old job. I knew exactly where I could add value. I I did a bit of research even before I applied for that job just to see what industry they were in and where I could see myself fitting in. So um, having identified, uh, I suppose, the gaps within their organization that I could fill, I was able to, to I suppose, find ways of bumping up my my pay package a little bit and at least at least having a reason at least having something in my back pocket to try and justify that if they did ask me okay why are you asking for x amount of money when we'd normally pay someone y amount of money so um i guess it's easy to get sucked into that whole everyone else around me earns this much money so i just want to be on an even playing field and if I'm okay with some, if I'm on par with everyone else at my level, I'll be satisfied and happy with that. But I think it it has to be a more detailed consideration. I mean, each workplace is different, and each person brings something different to that particular work to a particular workplace. So, if you feel like you you're going to bring in a little bit more value than I suppose the average salary for someone with that level of experience has, then yeah, I say be brave and speak up, and you know. What types of things did you did you say? I'm wondering if there's any like wording or scripting that people might be able to use, or I might be able to use, uh, you know, in my own workplace. Because it sounds it sounds like you, you know, you've got a pretty good idea to have how to ask for more money when you're, you know, going through the motions of applying for a job. Um, I guess part of it was part of it was that I I didn't necessarily ask for it. Um, first of all, they asked me how much I wanted to get paid. And then I gave them a figure and they said, okay, we weren't necessarily expecting that. And I said, okay, yep, I expected that response, but this is what I think I can bring to you. This is the experience that I have. And these are the additional qualities that I have beyond my CV that I feel like I can bring to this job. Um, so in terms of having a cheat sheet, if if you will, um, I don't think there really is one because each employer is unique each job is unique, each um, work environment's unique. So you kind of have to read the people you're talking to because with some people, you can't even have that conversation. You just have to take what's given to you and kind of quietly move on. Um, but yeah, if, if you definitely feel that this person's open to having that conversation, um, then yeah, go for it. And what do you think about that, Dan? As a as a business owner yourself, you know, just before we started recording, you uh, you yeah. had to go get up and say something to one of your employees. Uh, yeah. What what do you think about some of the things that Arthur's saying about in terms of negotiating salaries? Yeah, for sure. I think it's I think it's a smart move uh, what Arthur did there. Um, when I mean, it's the same thing when you're trying to sell a product, isn't it? Really, I mean, you're looking for the value add. What's uh, what's what's this product actually worth uh, to someone else, um, and uh, and where's the value in that? Whether it is a physical product or whether it is uh, is your own time, because essentially you're, you're selling someone your time, and in return they're making a return on that. Uh, and so making sure that you're, you're talking about the value that you offer with the skill set that you've got that's unique that. Uh, that only you possess uh, definitely puts you on in the right foot when you're when you're trying to search for for the pay package that you that you might be after. So if I'm right, it's it's more about saying you know how how you're different, not you know definitely better you know how you're yeah, better, I've, but I've, also how how you're different. What what are the other types of things that they uh, are getting that they might not otherwise expect to get uh, yeah, when hiring I've, you? 
Yeah. I think it's it's how you're different, but then what is what is the value proposition there? Like what how how can they make money off you? Because I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what uh, people are employed for. Uh, whether it's either to save money within an organisation or or to make extra money within an organisation, uh, people aren't just going to employ people for uh, for warm fluffies and, and and to make the the job market <laughs> better. Oh, but Dan, um, I thought it I thought organisations were all. <laughs> about purpose not money these days is that are you telling me that's not true <laughs> purpose but also money <laughs> <laughs> purpose and profit in which yeah. order oh i guess that's that's a personal question for every <laughs> every business owner themselves but uh, i don't think that there would be any business owner that would be going into business to lose money so <laughs> <laughs> and and fair and fair enough too um and, and just while we're talking about what it's like being in the office Arthur you you know we've we've already talked about how you recently moved jobs but we often talked about how you found a a little bit of a struggle because in your previous workplace you were the youngest guy in the office by about what like 30 years um yeah probably something about that yeah yeah. So the the next youngest guy or or girl is is 55 yeah I mean how how do you deal with that what's that like um, it was difficult. So um, I'm, I guess that's why I'm quite a strong advocate of AYP because AYP helped me bridge that gap because I, a lot of the people I went, I studied with at uni moved straight into grad programs. So instantly you're there with about 20 to 30 other young kids that you went to school with. You get to grow in the job together. Um, you're going through the same stuff. You, you're facing the same issues, the same challenges. So You've got a little community of people that understand you and understand what you're going through. But when you're in that situation where you're significantly younger than everyone else in the office, A, it's quite hard to build friendships. I personally feel that it's important to have friends at work. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I was reading something the other day which was talking about professional friendships, which isn't a friendship in the classical sense, but... Um, it goes beyond being just colleagues. These are people that you can talk to. If you have a problem, you feel like you can approach them with that problem and and actually discuss things with them at a deeper level than you would at the, at the water cooler or just in the lunchroom. Um, so I found that quite challenging. Um, and I suppose even with things like getting involved in stuff like AYP, you know, like uh, a lot of people complain about the pressure they face or the looks they receive when they walk out of work at 5 p.m. So sometimes uh, last year I used to have the AYP banners at my office and at sometimes when we had events, I'd just pack my bags at like 4.30, 4.45 and start heading off to the events with these massive banners and people would ask me where I'm going and then I'd tell them what I'm going to do. And, you know, that idea that I was looking for something beyond my work life and something beyond my home life and trying to find that little bit in the middle just seemed mm-hmm. like a foreign concept to some people at work <laughs> uh, and I guess it it's kind of hard to to talk to someone even at Friday night drinks you know what am I going to talk about I'm going to talk about what I'm, my plans are for the weekend and my colleagues are going to be talking about um, their two mortgages or their kids going to school or it's always you know, something kids, like that. It? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so it can be quite hard to connect at a personal level. And I, for me personally, that's something that I place quite a lot of value on because I spend so much time at work. So I do like to be happy there and I do like to have really good relationships with the people I work with. Um, but for some people that's 
probably not as important. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, do you, do you find that, Dan, uh, you know, you've, you're owning your own business. Is this the type of thing yeah. that you're trying to cultivate, you know, these, these work friendships? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we we have the exact same problem, uh, and potentially to a greater degree down here, just because of the the demographic of Hawkes Bay. We've definitely got an aging population. Uh, the large majority of uh, people that are that go to HBYP events, um, most of the time, they're telling me, you know, they they come, either they come to Hawkes Bay or they they've been in Hawkes Bay for a little bit, but. The next oldest uh, from them in in their various companies might be you know fifteen twenty years older. Mm-hmm. So what um, are the, what are some of the types of things that people do to help help bridge that gap? You know, rather than uh, just acknowledging it's there, what are what are the types yeah. of things we can do to help bridge it to connect with these people who are thirty five years older than us? Or oh yeah. gosh, it's you know the, the age gap just keeps on getting bigger now that we're talking about it. You know, <laughs> exactly. I think I think it's 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 tricky. It's tricky in Hawke's Bay uh, because Hawke's Bay can be quite clicky um, and it's got its own little subgroups uh, mm-hmm. and then you've got the old boys network and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of the, the chamber events, you get the whole kind of the stale pale male thing uh, that's going on. Um, and so unless, unless you move to Hawke's Bay and you've got good flatmates, um, then it can be really tricky to, to find other people that you can connect to. Um, and I think, I think ultimately as people, we, you know, as human beings, we all kind of yearn for, for relationships with other people that, uh, are, are like-minded. I think if, if you can find other people within your organization that have similar mindsets to you on, on certain ideals or, or political swings or, or, or anything like that, then you've obviously got some kind of point of point of connection. But it's I think it's the the outside of work socialization. You're probably not going to go to the uh, go to the the pub with um, with your colleagues if they're if they're thirty, let's say forty even now years older than you. <laughs> oh uh, gosh, you know I must admit I've. I, I, I'm at a startup organization, startup tech organization, and I almost have completely the opposite experience where, where, um, the oldest person in my office is 24. There's, there's, there's nine of us. Yeah, I know it's young. eh? Um, and people always are so shocked by that. And I think of my, my colleagues, uh, and this has morphed into a completely different discussion about, about work in, in general and how we relate to our colleagues. But yeah. I look at them as my, as my friends and, and we drink together or we message each other over, um, over the weekend, uh, you know, in, in complete honesty, I've been having some some interesting relationship issues over the last yeah. three weeks. Arthur Arthur knows about those, um, yeah. and now the country knows. And um, <laughs> you know, I've been talking to my work colleagues about them because I'm with them. You know, forty fifty hours a, hours a week, um, and, and they they know me. And you know, you can share these things. And then um, certainly, I'm not suggesting you necessarily do this in a corporate environment. Yeah. But uh, I think it, it shows how young professionals or millennials in general are more interested in a um, a different kind of working relationship where you're able yeah, to talk sure. about things that um, that personally matter to you. You know, the amount of times at my previous workplaces, um, you'd, you'd walk in and yeah, somebody's 30 years older than you or whatever, and you're like, "Hey, how was your weekend? It was good. Awesome. Yeah. How how are your kids?" 
yeah. are good too. Yeah. And it's like I, you know, I don't. I want. I want something deeper. I want something more, more purposeful. Mm-hmm. I actually want to connect with these people, and maybe that's just my personality type. Um, one of the guys who, who I guess is also a young professional, Will, who helps um, put this podcast together. Uh, something I really value about him is that uh, when I when I say, "Oh, how are you doing?" Well, it's been a bit of a rough week, and you know, I'll talk about this, and this thing's going good, and da 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 da. And it's a, it's yep. a deeper conversation, a little more. I, I, I don't know, like vulnerable, I guess, is yeah. potentially the yeah, word. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, I, and I think that some, some of that is what you lose. Well, A, in a corporate environment, but B, when there's just such large, not even so, so much age differences, but mindset differences between people in um, in the office and at work. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that's uh, probably a generational thing. Uh, Arthur, you can um, butt in as well. I don't know, um, yeah. but um, I think if you think of our kind of parents' generations and and how um, how they think about the world, uh, from my opinion, at least, it's kind of it seems like it's it's a, a much it's it's definitely it seems to be a more surface level. Um, appreciation for the world and i think the millennial generation uh are looking for kind of what's what's underneath uh, and how do we how do we create recreate those kind of human connections that uh, that potentially we've we've lost um over the years yeah and what are some of the things that people in hawks bay or your members or whatever you know uh, what are they doing down the air that it's trying to reconnect with that purpose. Is there is there anything in, in particular or some, some stories or members um, that you can think of that sort of tie in with that? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's 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 all sorts of stuff going down here uh, within the art community at the moment. They've just done the seawalls uh, uh, piece. I'm not sure if you've, you've heard about that. Oh, what's that? Uh, so seawalls is a campaign they, this is the second year that they've done it and they've done it all around napier but there's a whole load of international artists uh that come to hawks bay for a week or two weeks uh and they they go around um doing this this beautiful uh graffiti art on a whole load of different walls around hawks bay um and they're all they're all pieces that are um made there to make you think about the um all the the dangers at the moment in the ocean so you know there's there's all sorts of uh murals uh, that are around the amount of waste that we're putting into the ocean or 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 the kind of how we're um there's one with a whole lot of sharks that um are drinking shark fin soup and and things like that um and so there's the there's all these kind of different social messages around the place uh that have been popping up over the last month or so which are really interesting and they're just kind of there to to start a conversation which has been quite cool and i guess at the same time that's kind of what this podcast is all about is just trying to start a conversation but you know with millennials or whatever i love i love that word millennials um you know it's sort of like i almost sometimes say it with glee i'm like i'm looking at a baby boomer baby boomer and i'm like i'm a millennial you know, it's always uh, it, it's both a term uh, that you feel sad that you're using, but then uh, are kind of like, yes, I'm I'm part of this generation, um, and, and you know, sort of tying into that social purpose. Uh, on our last podcast, we talked a lot about communitarianism or this idea that uh, fewer and fewer young people or or millennials are getting involved. Um, Within communities, within uh, social groups, and are you finding that uh, down in Hawke's Bay, Dan? 
Uh, yeah, I think I think it's something that the churches and things are definitely kind of uh, talking about that that topic. There was a a, a dude uh, I think last year it was at the arts festival that did kind of a poetry session all on that. It was a reverend, I think, um, and uh, and so I, I know that they're talking about it within those circles, um, and uh, and it's it's interesting because uh, uh, I'm not entirely sure where I where I stand on it. Um, personally, I'm, I'm a, quite a devout atheist, um, and and so I, I don't necessarily buy into the theology of of what they're talking about. But I, I do kind of I get the the community aspect and the benefits of community, and, and that we are kind of we're losing a lot of that um, as we go into this new modern age. But then also I think. Um, there's an element that doesn't get spoken about, which is how we're actually becoming more connected um, through um, technology these days. Um, and uh, and so our, our communities these days are not necessarily uh, communities uh, locally um, and face-to-face. They're actually international communities, which I think also has um, a whole lot of positive uh, positive swings on it as well. Uh, and it's um, it's not... It's not just a local community now that we're talking about. We're talking about global communities that are very diverse and, and have a lot of different um, different elements that we're we're talking about. Fascinating. Do you have a an international technological community in mind? Where- I think um, I think there's there's just. Uh, so thinking of one example, uh, there's I've got a, a friend of mine who's in the UK who's a he's a poet, um, and so um, we uh, we we've, we've stopped recently just because we've been both been so busy. But um, but we've both been uh, trying to do these um, monthly skypes where we just we um, we talk to each other um, about um, about philosophy and about the world and 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 all sorts of different. Um, topics um but it's the technology that's enabled that um and enabled that discussion and that kind of open uh open mind hacking i guess um whereas whereas in the old old way of of community there's no way you could do that so i think we're, we're creating these communities that are um across the oceans now um mm. rather than just local communities as they were in the in the old days and even if we think about right now recording this you're down in hawks bay we're up here in uh, our podcast studio on k road and exactly. you know ha- having conversations about the differences between auckland and the hawks bay or mm. different different regions i mean one in terms of communitarianism or or you know just being part of the community one thing that we've sometimes struggled with at Auckland Young Professionals is we can usually get people involved. Like there are lots of people who want to be involved in helping out. Um, It's it's just almost that retention of cool year. Um, And this is so the millennial generation, um, or at least what we're stereotyped as, you know, wanting to get involved and they're not necessarily sticking with it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I yeah. think that's something that we've definitely noticed over the last few years is that you can always get people in through the door because um, everyone's, as Ed said, everyone's really keen to get involved, you know, and the types of people that are attracted to things like AYP and Hawke's Bay Young Professionals are people that are driven and do have a willingness to contribute to their community at some level. But we do have, I guess, our generation, we're trying to do everything at once. We're trying to do so many things. I mean, we want to be 
we want to walk into our job and you know and advance and as fulfilled. quickly as we can yeah and we also want to travel we want to have personal relationships we want to have lives outside of work we want to do we want to volunteer we want to play sports we want to do so much stuff mm. and i guess sometimes maybe i don't know it's it's just a case of prioritizing and maybe segmenting it a little bit and picking and choosing what's important at a particular time in your life and then i mean you will often have to pick the pick stuff up and then drop it later on but I guess I've always been the kind of person who's got that attitude where if you make the decision to get involved in something just see it through to the end or as far as you can as far as you can reasonably take it um yeah just don't give up a couple of months into it but yeah try to yeah. try to see it through to the end if you can and if you can't that's also fine but at least at least give it a good shot and are you seeing yeah. similar things down there, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. We've we've been doing some work for a uh, a local polytech uh, down here, EIT, um, and um, and so part of the the demographic that they're obviously trying to attract um, is the is the millennial uh, demographic, and so we've been doing a bit of uh, market research and trying to work out okay, what is it that um, that actually makes millennials click. Um, and so part of the outcomes of that is it's it's a desire to um, to know that you're actually making a difference that your your contribution counts um, and I think with the traditional campaigns uh, you know whether it be around voting uh, or whether it be around donations and things like that it can often feel like uh, your individual contribution is quite meaningless in the broad scale of things mm. um, and so I think I think that is potentially where we uh, maybe we need to do some translations or perhaps we need to think up some new models because you know I think every time uh, every, every time there's a change there's opportunity um, to, to evolve um, and so although um, it is kind of becoming trickier now to to create these communities around the place I think that there is a whole new mindset of people coming through that that um, want to know that whatever they do is actually making a difference mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's there's a whole lot of opportunities there that we could potentially tap into um, or, or anyone that's kind of wanting to to create kind of community change uh, it's tapping into that kind of millennial mindset I guess um, but then I also I saw there was a, a, a good talk that Adam Conover did um, who does the um, uh, uh, the TV show um, Adam ruins everything, um, and so he was talking about millennials and what millennials are, and that um, that essentially it's it's kind of a ridiculous um, title because uh, because you know within that category of millennials there's so much diversity as it is that there is there, there is no kind of one true millennial. Mm. Uh, we're all different still, and we've all got our different kind of mindsets. I mean, you know, like with the three of us. Um, within our, our different groups and young professionals, I know that I contribute to um, society quite a lot through through the young professionals and and through the various groups that I'm a part of and, and things that I drive. Um, but um, and so you know, I think I think millennials is a very broad term that encompasses a lot of different diversity. So uh, takeaways, I guess, from that is never use the term millennial <laughs> again. <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> and um, 
if people want to track you down, Dan, how can, how can yep. they do that? For sure. Uh, well, my my business is called Indelible, so you could check out indelible.co.nz. Oh, what does uh, Indelible do? Uh, we're a video production company, and uh, so nice. we we make television commercials and and corporate videos for for web and and social and trade shows and all sorts of stuff like that, um, all around New Zealand. And we've just come over from shooting in Sydney last week, um, and so uh, so yeah yeah we we create videos. Awesome, fantastic. <laughs> um, you can also check us out on hbyp.nz um, to check out the Hawke's Bay Young Professionals website there. Oh, fantastic. Cool. And Arthur, if people want to track you down, uh, how, how would they do that? Me personally or AYP? Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure if this is meant to be your, your tool. This is your new Tinder yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. there you go. If you, if Tinder, you like the, Tinder in audio format. Oh, if you like the sound of my voice, give me a call. Yeah. Um, you can find us. You can find both myself and Ed um, on our website. So AYP.co.nz. Um, we've got our contact details on there. Um, feel free to contact anyone on the committee that you're comfortable with contacting. But, you know, if you like the sounds of our voices, um, then, yeah, <laughs> definitely get in touch with us. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Uh, it's Auckland Young Professionals on Facebook. We have a LinkedIn page as well. Uh, we've got a group on Meetup. I think it's also known as Auckland Young Professionals. Um, and as Arthur mentioned, my name is Ed McKnight. I'm the president of the Auckland Young Professionals, and I'm going to call myself, I guess, the founder of the New Zealand Young Professionals podcast. Uh, check us out at nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com. We're also on Facebook, NZ Young Professionals Podcast. Uh, hit subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app, or feel free to reach out to me personally. My email is ed at edmcknight.com. Uh, with you, every any feedback on the show or want to be a part of it yourself uh, it'd be great to hear from you until next time the new zealand young professionals podcast brought to you by podcasts new zealand